0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. We have been preaching a series on the blood, and today we're going to bring a conclusion to that series. And I hope and pray that it's been a blessing to you. I don't believe that there is a more important doctrine, as I've said many times already, a necessary doctrine, than the blood of Jesus. The message today, and we're concluding the series on the blood with, I believe, one of the most misunderstood topics of the entire Bible. And so it's going to require that you pay very, very close attention to what we're talking about today, because we're concluding the series on It's Still the Blood with the subject the unpardonable sin. I don't think that I have preached more than five times in my entire ministry on this subject. It brings a chill to me every time that I address it. And so I hope that you reference this moment in such a way to where you would not let anything distract you because you have to hear it all to get it. And so remember that while we're preaching the message, we are going somewhere with the Word. So stay with me on this. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 12, and I'm going to first read for you, beginning in verse number 31 and 32. And I have already said that I believe that It's one of the most misunderstood passages in all the Bible. And I believe, first of all, the most tragic word in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the most tragic word is the word lost. In the gospel of Luke chapter 19, verse number 10, the Bible says this, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. To me, there's no greater horrific word in the Bible than the word lost. And I would say probably the most terrifying verses in all of the Bible are the scriptures that I'm going to give you today. So pay very close attention as we talk about the unpardonable sin. In Matthew chapter 12, I want you to follow along with me, and they will get these scriptures on the screen for you. You will definitely want to hang on to this. This is one of those, I told you last Sunday that last Sunday's bulletin would be the one that you would want to laminate in the series of the blood. This is one you won't want to lose. Hang on to this. And I hope that you are keeping track of them. You'll go through a stack of them through a year, and you can go through and reread, revisit some of these topics. And I pray that it would be sufficient for you to uh, continue to draw spiritual guidance from them. But in Matthew chapter 12, I'm going to read a passage for you here in verse 31 and 32, and then I'm going to give you another passage where I believe that you could put both of these passages together and understand why I conclude that they are the most terrifying verses in the Bible. In verse number 31, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is speaking, by the way. Wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Right beside this scripture reference that you have on your bulletin today, Matthew twelve thirty one, and it should be thirty one through thirty two. You can make that correction on your bulletin. I would like for you to also write Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. You can go back a few pages of Scripture. But if we're talking about the two most terrifying passages in all of the Bible, it would certainly be this. And then go back to the left a little bit and read with me Matthew chapter 7, verse number 22. The Bible says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord... Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? In verse 23, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Let me make something perfectly clear. I'm not speaking on eternal security this morning, but we do believe that when a person comes to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, according to the word of God, we're sealed until the day of redemption. Jesus said, no man will be able to pluck them out of my hand. It's totally impossible for a person to be unborn from the family of God, just like you are not able to be unborn from your family. I've come across so many rebellious teenagers in my lifetime and they have declared to me and their mother and everybody they knew in their world, when I get old enough to leave this house, I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to move as far away from you as I can get and I'm going to go down to the courthouse and I'm going to change my name. I don't want to be affiliated with you or this family ever again. Now a person may do that. A person may move as far as they can. They may go down to the courthouse and change your name, but nothing can undo the fact that they have a biological mother and a biological father. You cannot be unborn from your family. And when you are spiritually born, Jesus talked about the new birth, especially to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. But we find that, that doctrine of the new birth, being born again, Being washed in the blood, being sealed with the Holy Spirit. We find this teaching throughout the New Testament. And Jesus said, No man would be able to pluck you out of my hand. And I'm so glad today that my anchor holds. There is no sin greater than the blood of Jesus. And so we're not talking about eternal security today, but I will tell you this there are a lot of people in this world who think they're saved. And they're really not. When Jesus spoke these words, he didn't say, I knew you one time and you committed so many sins. I had to let you go. I had to turn you out. I had to turn away. That's not what the word says. Jesus said, I never knew you. Not that I knew you one time and you got to be so bad. There's just no more room in heaven. There's no more forgiveness for you. There's no more blood for you. That's not what he said. He said, I never knew you. So this morning, if you claim to be saved, let me ask you, how did you get saved? And if you think that salvation that you have entitles you to an eternity to heaven, then my question is, why? Next Sunday, I'm starting a brand new series on the love of God. And the love of God made it possible through Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. Through his shed blood, his death on the cross, and his bodily glorious resurrection from the dead has made it possible for us to live in heaven forever. If we would just but accept him. It's a free gift for God so loved the world that he gave. We're talking about that next week. As I think about these scriptures here, I I don't want you to misappropriate them. I don't want you to take them out of context because we're speaking on Matthew 12, 31, and 32. But these verses in Matthew 7, 22, they go hand in hand. And the scolding truth about a message like this today is I personally believe that there are far more people in America and all over the world who are committing the unpardonable sin than we ever dared to dream. So please listen carefully. I think it's extremely important for us to know that there is a sin that the Bible speaks about very clearly, and we're going to see that as we move along, that if a person commits it, Jesus said in verse number 31 and 32 of Matthew 12 that if a person committed this particular sin, he said, they will never be forgiven in this world or the world to come. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine to be hopeless and helpless for all eternity? And this morning, we're going to look at why this particular sin is so enormous, why it's so terrible. And we will see why this sin is called unpardonable. While I was preparing for this message, and I remembered reading this illustration, I was reading about a man in Scotland who was walking on a beach at a very low tide. And I found it interesting and has so uniquely fit with this message today. And by the way, Scotland is known for tremendous and ferocious tides. We all know the devastation of flood tides and high tides, and we we pray for the people in Tennessee and Louisiana who have been devastated by, by the hurricane and the high water and the debris. We understand it. This man was walking along a beach in Scotland, and he decided to go for a swim. And as he ventured out, he came upon a sign that was out in the water, and it said, Do not go any further. If you go any further, you will not have time to make it back before the tide comes in. He considered himself to be an experienced swimmer, and so he neglected the warning, and he continued to go further out. And sure enough, he had gone way further than he should have, and here's the thing. He crossed the line of warning. And in the blink of an eye, when the tides came in, as ferocious as they had been nostalgically known for, this man was swept away, was swept under, and the spectators watched helplessly as this man perished in the tide. The point being is this, and I want you to understand, this man foolishly, crossed the line of warning. He completely ignored it. He went past the point of no return. Now let me spiritualize this for you today. The staggering truth about that whole scenario and the application in the message today is this, that thousands upon thousands of people cross that line every single day. For example, there are some people in their environment that go past the point of no return when it comes to gambling. People, people gamble their lives away. People go past the point of no return when it comes to drugs. People go past the point of no return when it comes to alcohol in many ways. People go past the line of no return with crooked business deals or poor decisions that they make that ruins their family and crocodile tears and all the sorries in the world will never change things back to where they were. But it's important for us to know that this can happen to a person spiritually as well. And when that happens... When a person crosses the line, the point of no return spiritually, it's the saddest and it's the most tragic mistake, non-reversible situation for all eternity. Nothing can undo it. And the sad thing is, and this is what gripped my heart in this message today, it may be getting ready to happen to somebody in this auditorium or somebody that's listening today by internet. Listen carefully. There is a time, and I don't know when, There is a place, and I don't know where, but there is a defining line that marks the destiny of men with security or eternal damnation. This is an invisible line that crosses all of our paths. I'm going to talk about that this morning. It's the hidden boundary between God's wrath and God's mercy. So this is what I want you to think about today. And according to Jesus, if you cross that line, you're going to be crossing a line that can never, ever, ever be reversed. You you can never, ever be forgiven. And because of that, I pray that everyone in this auditorium will pay very close attention to the message as it goes forth today. And I want to bring this sin. The unpardonable sin in a crystal clear focus and understanding for you today, first of all, I want to talk about what the sin is not, and if you 're following along on our bulletin here, it 'll help you in the process. The unpardonable sin is not a sin of immorality it 's not a sin of murder it 's not a sin of thievery. It's not a sin of suicide. I don't have time to talk about that today, but committing suicide does not send anybody to hell. You've heard that probably. It does not. You say, well, how do you know? Does not the Bible consider Samson to be one of the greatest judges of all of Israel? And in the very end of his life, what did he do? He said to the blind boy, after his eyes had been plucked out of his head, while he had infectious pus running down his cheeks, while he was being made a mockery and a spectator of all those who had defied him, he said, to the blind, he said to the little boy as he was blind, he said, take me to the pillars that hold this building up. He said to the little boy, lead me to the place. The little boy put his hands on the pillars and he lifted his eyes to heaven. And he said, oh God, one more time. feel me, O oh God, from the top of my head to the bottom of my foot. Just one more time. And the Bible says he put his hands on the pillars and he brought that place down. Samson committed suicide. You read the Bible in the Old Testament as well. And King Saul did that as well. The Bible says he fell on his own sword. So I want to clear something up for you today. Suicide is not the unpardonable sin. It's a terrible thing. But it's not the unpardonable sin. Immorality is not the unpardonable sin. I want you to know that anyone who has ever committed those kinds of sins has been, can be forgiven when they are confessed and they're placed under the blood of Jesus. Now, listen carefully. There is not a sin, and we've been talking about this for the last five weeks. There is not a sin on this side of redemption, no matter how deep, no matter how dark, and no matter how hellish it is, there is nothing, no matter how hurtful, no matter how terrible it may be, the blood of Jesus can cleanse us from all sin. You might say, well, that sounds a little contradictory. Well, you stick with me and you'll see why it's not. We preached on the entire series on the blood of Jesus, and I want to remind you of First John chapter one, verse seven. It says, "But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ. His Son cleanses us from all sin." That's what the word says. And so listen carefully. The unpardonable sin, it's not a, it's not a moral sin. It's not a mental sin. In fact, the man who was demon possessed, who was out of his mind, who was running through the graveyards, cutting himself, the demoniac of Kadera, he got set free. You think about that. It's not necessarily a verbal sin. And I emphasize that. Simon Peter cussed with his mouth. He swore. He said, I do not know the man. But look at him on the day of Pentecost. He's preaching and 3,000 people get saved in a day. So this is not a moral sin. The unpardonable sin is not a moral sin. It's not a mental sin. And it's somewhat not a verbal sin. Uh, So what is it, preacher? Let's see what Jesus is talking about here. Understand this today very, very carefully. You can take the name of God and his son Jesus in vain and it can still be pardonable. People do it every day and sometimes you have to stumble across it. I don't know what happens to you when you hear it, but it just makes me cringe. I, I cannot stand it. I've had to, I've, I've heard people who have such a filthy mouth, they cannot carry a sentence and complete it without using vulgarity. But Jesus said, Listen, you can take my name in vain, you can take God's name in vain. And the word says that it can be forgiven. But when it comes to the matter of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the unpardonable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which Jesus said cannot be forgiven. So understand when it comes to the Holy Spirit, things are totally different. And by the way, you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit with your heart, you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit with your mind. Yes, you can with your lips, but it's not confined to moving lips. Most of us know what it's like to pray without speaking the words. Have you ever found yourself doing that? I mean, you're in a situation, you're in a you're in a discussion with somebody, you're facing a dilemma, you're at work, you're in a position where you can't get on your knees and call out to heaven, but you're praying in the spirit. Most of you know what that's like. Most of you have done that before. It is possible for a person to blaspheme the Holy Spirit without even moving their lips. What we have to remember is that words are a clear reflection of our heart. Because in Proverbs chapter 23, verse number seven, the word says this, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Someone may ask, well, pastor, just what? does this word blaspheme mean? It means to speak hurtfully against the Holy Spirit with the intention to demean or refuse or rebel against. That's what blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is. Number two, real quickly, the unpardonable sin is a sin confined to the Holy Spirit. It's an isolated sin. It's an unforgivable sin. And the Bible says that it's a sin that has the consequence of eternal damnation. God says, if you blaspheme me, I will forgive you. Jesus said, if you blaspheme me, he said, I will forgive you. But the first person and the second person of the Godhead said, however, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, You will die and go to hell. Now, let me clarify something real quick for you. Because if you're saved, it isn't totally, it's totally, listen now, it's totally impossible for you to commit the unpardonable sin. If you're saved, don't sweat bullets in this message today. If you're saved, you cannot be unsaved. If you're saved, you would never blaspheme the Holy Spirit. It would be impossible for you to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to show you why. So pay attention this morning very, very carefully. Now, why is this sin confined to the Holy Spirit? It is possible for a person to blaspheme God in ignorance. It is possible. I wonder how many children curse God because... they've had wicked parents that have blasphemed God in front of them. I was in a home one day many years ago. I was visiting. And this lady had a little three-year-old son. And he came into the living room where we were talking there. And just out of the blue, he started saying some of the most vile, filthy cuss words that I've ever heard in my life. And you know what she did? She laughed at him and said, isn't that cute? That's not how I was raised. And, you know, most of us were raised much, much better than farm animals. I'm telling you, we, when we hear stuff like that, if you've been saying, listen, I couldn't get away. With, with that in my childhood, I, probably most of you in here at my age, you couldn't get away with that in your childhood either. And I will tell you this, if you're raising young children today, they shouldn't get away with it in their childhood either. It is possible for a person to blaspheme the Lord Jesus in ignorance. I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but it's possible. But a person, here's, here's the thing, a person cannot... It's impossible to blaspheme the Holy Spirit in ignorance. And this is the key to the whole matter. And I want you to listen carefully. The Holy Spirit is God's instrument. What is the purpose? The Holy Spirit is God's instrument to shine light on darkness. Now listen to this. He is God's instrument to shine light on darkness. Lost people walk in darkness until The Holy Spirit shines the light on their darkness. They are walking in darkness until the Holy Spirit shines light on their path. They're walking in darkness until the Holy Spirit does that. This is why a person cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit. Listen, you just can't come into a church house, jiggle change in your pocket, blow bubbles with bubble gum and say, I think I'm gonna get saved today. That's not how it works. A person can, John 6, is clear on that, but a person cannot be saved unless the Holy Spirit draws him. He shines the light on darkness. He shines the light on their path. And then when that path of darkness, that sin, that wickedness is revealed by the light of the Holy Spirit, then a person is brought into the awareness of that. Now listen carefully. When the light is given on the path a person is confronted with a choice. They are confronted well, there it is. I, I, the Holy Spirit Yes, I'm, I'm a sinner, I realize that, but I'm not about ready to change my evil, sinful, wicked ways. And the Holy Spirit is shining the light on the darkness, on the path. and a person is confronted with a choice. You're either going to heed to the spirit or you're going to refuse. You're going to rebel, demean. No, not today. Stay with me. The Holy Spirit is the one that's turning the light on your soul. And when the light comes on and a person refuses the light, a person refuses that. Listen now, the unpardonable sin is a sin against God that light. It's a sin against the Holy Spirit. It's knowingly, willingly, deliberately saying no to God when the Holy Spirit has spoken to you very clearly and revealed to you who Jesus Christ truly is. And when the Holy Spirit reveals to you who Jesus Christ is, Truly is. He is the only begotten son of God. He is the savior of the world. He is the Messiah. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when the Holy Spirit makes you aware of that, he has revealed to you who Jesus Christ is. Some of these people here now in the story that we're going to get to in just a few verses before that, look with me in verse 22. They had ascribed the works of the Holy Spirit to the power of the devil. And the and the unpardonable sin is broken down into two compartments here. Stay with me. Notice Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 and 24. I want to give you a biblical illustration of what I'm talking about. These people now, they had been brought into the light and they willfully ascribed the works of the Holy Spirit to the power of Satan. In Matthew 12, 22, look at this. Then was brought... Unto him one possessed with a devil blind and dumb, or that is mute, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and the mute, the dumb spoke, uh, they spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, "Is not this the son of David?" Now notice verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, "This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub." the prince of devils. Now, Beelzebub is another name for Satan, for Lucifer. He has many names. And so when Jesus was performing this miracle, he was working through the power of the Holy Spirit. But these Pharisees said, he's not working through the power of God. He's performing this miracle by the power of the devil, by the power of Satan. And so Jesus gets into a heated conversation with them. It was a terrible thing that they said about Jesus who was being used as an instrument of the Holy Spirit. Listen, here's the thing. These people could not deny the miracle. Everybody had seen it. And so because they could not deny the miracle, I mean, they were now looking at this man who was blind and mute, now he was seeing and speaking. It could not be denied. Everyone knew that he had been in that situation. So instead of them trying to deny the miracle, they tried to explain it away. They said, well, yes, this man did perform a miracle, but he did it by the power of Satan. And here's what they did. They had ascribed the power of the Holy Spirit and attributed it, To the power of Satan, the power of the devil. And then notice how Jesus rebuked them in verse 25 through 28. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, or if I, by the power of the devil... Cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Now, underline this part if you mark in your Bible, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, because the key here is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Jesus was saying what you people are saying. He said, it doesn't make any sense And they knew it didn't make any sense. And Jesus had already proven himself to be the Son of God. The Spirit had already given witness to that. And what they said to Jesus was a ridiculous response. And Jesus said, listen, Satan cannot cast himself out. And you all know that. It's just like those kind of prayers people give from time to time. Well, I don't serve the Lord because of this. I don't go to church because of that. I don't do this because of that. I'm not going to go to church. Have you ever heard this one? I'm not going to go to church because the church is full of hypocrites. Well, let me clue you in on something. This world is full of hypocrites. And we got to deal with them every day. The point I'm trying to make is this, that people are constantly making up silly excuses for not really giving their hearts to Jesus. And after... After they have been given the light, they still have all of these reasons why they're not going to give their heart to Christ. They're not going to live for the Lord. They're not going to serve the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is continually shining the light on the darkness. Now look at this very carefully. These people were sinning against love. They were sinning against Jesus, yes. Yes. They were sinning against logic. They knew what they were saying didn't make any sense. But the greater problem for this crowd was that they were sinning against the light. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit that gives light. It's not the wisdom of men, it's not the experience of men. It is the Holy Spirit that gives light to men. Now, listen carefully. See if you can understand it this way. I can take this Bible and I can stand up here and I can preach truth to you all day long. But it's the Holy Spirit who imparts that truth. I can preach about the light all day long. But it's the Holy Spirit who opens your eyes, it's the Holy Spirit who shines the light. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us understanding. So please understand that it was the Spirit of God here that was bearing witness to the miracles that Jesus was performing. And they knew it, but they refused to acknowledge it. And this is where Jesus rebuked them with the warning of the unpardonable sin. Number three, the unpardonable sin is the rejection And if you want to, on number three here, write continual rejection. That's a better way to say this point, number three. It's a continual rejection of Jesus Christ with your eyes wide open to the truth. Let me show you something in Hebrews. Turn there quickly with me just for a moment. In Hebrews chapter six, and I want you to see something in verse number four through six. Hebrews chapter six. Verse four through six, for it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost keeps shining the light on your path, your eyes were open. You have seen the goodness of God, but still, whatever reason, you have rejected it. You have said no to the Holy Spirit. Have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. Yes, you, you know that Jesus is the Savior, but you're not ready to trust Him today. You're not ready to give your heart to Him today. If they shall fall away, listen now, you keep saying no, no, no. Look at this. To renew them again to repentance seeing they crucify themselves to the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. There is a point. There is a place. I don't know where. I don't know what time it is in your life, but there is a point. There is a time. There is a place when the light has been continually shined on your path and you have said continually, no, 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 that God the Father will tell God the Holy Spirit, leave them alone. So listen. You just can't pop up and say, Yeah, I guess I'll be saved today. doesn't work like that. A person has to be convicted. Now, who is the convictor? It's the Holy Spirit. Who is it that's shining light on your path? It's the Holy Spirit. But what happens if God says, Leave him alone? And there's no convictor? And there's no light on your path? You just can't make it up and say, I'm going to be saved. The scripture's clear of that in John 6, 44. Listen, when a person crosses God's deadline and they say no to the light and they have repeatedly ignored and refused and rebelled against the Holy Spirit so many times, and I don't know how many times God is going to be merciful and gracious to anybody. I don't know. But there comes a time after continual refusal, That God will tell the Holy Spirit, leave him alone. And when that happens, listen, you just don't get saved when you want to. You have to have the Holy Spirit. You have to have the one that's shining the light. You have to have conviction. And when God says, leave him alone, that person's lost forever for all eternity without the possibility of ever being forgiven again. And somebody might say, well, pastor, how can that be? How can a person not be forgiven There's a line that people can cross when they say no to the Holy Spirit one too many times. And from that point forward, God will make it impossible for them to see and to know and respond and believe the truth. You might say, well, man, that's just, I can't believe God would do that. I'm out of time and I don't have really diligent time to finish this, but I want you to see how, yes, God will do that. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, turn there quickly, and this is a tribulation passage of Scripture. I realize that, but I want to show you how this is going to work in the end times, how it works right now. You can say no to God too many times. You can say no, Holy Spirit. No, Holy Spirit. No, Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit saying, but here's the light. Here's the light. Here's the light. And you're saying no, Holy Spirit. No, Holy Spirit. Not today. I'm gonna live my life like I want to. Not today. But there's the light. There's the light. And you're saying no, God. Not today. No, Holy Spirit. Not today. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. But I'm not ready to give my heart. Not today. And the Holy Spirit's saying there's the light. There's the light. And finally God says... Leave him alone. And he quit shining the light. Look at this. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 11, this, this happens in the tribulation. And for this cause, God, not the devil, not demons, God. And for this cause, God send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That's talking about the Antichrist. Now notice this, underline it, for this cause. They were exposed to salvation in this lifetime. They heard about salvation. They were given multiple times to be saved, and they willingly refused to be saved. And when that happens, it caused God to respond that way. Look at those words, strong delusion. God sent strong delusion. Now we all know that the Bible says that the devil deceives people, but in this case, concerning this matter, the Bible says God created the confusion. Now, look at this. The Bible says something that caused God to do it. Look at it very carefully. Somebody might say, well, preacher, I just don't think God would do such a thing like this. Read on. It gets a little deeper. That they should believe a lie. Now, look carefully. Not only is God sending strong delusion, but he's allowing them to believe a lie. This is what God's doing. God said, listen, you had your lifetime to be saved. And you said, no, 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 no. Now, the raptures come. The church is raptured out. The believed, the redeemed, they're raptured out. Seven years of tribulation has started. The Antichrist has now set up his kingdom. He's ruling. People that cannot buy, sell, a trade without the mark of the beast, 666. And now, here's what happens. God is sending them strong delusion. There are two witnesses that come. This is not the Bible prophecy series. When the message goes forth from the two witnesses, thousands, millions will be saved. But a person in their life who has said, no, 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 no. Then God sends them strong delusion, which they believe the lie, and they won't even have a desire to be saved. Now look at this in verse 12. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. If this was all the Bible that we had access to, we would not think very highly of God if that one verse was all we had because he sends strong delusion. He allows these people to believe a terminal lie and all of them that believe that died and went to hell. But listen carefully. These are not the people who had not heard the truth. These are the people who had heard the truth. They had the light on their path so many times and they said, No, 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 no. Now, why did they choose to reject the truth? The latter part of verse 12, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They loved the lost lifestyle more than they loved the truth. Look at verse 10, if you will. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. While our musicians come forward, let me say this God continually permits the Holy Spirit to show you the light. Right now, He repetitiously gives you the truth. So let me assure you of something today. I don't have time to finish this message like I want to today. I know this is a complicated subject, and I don't want you to get restless. I don't want you to get fidgety because you'll lose it all right here. You might say, preacher, I'm scared to death that I've committed the unpardonable sin. I've said no, 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 no and I'm scared to death that I've committed the unpardonable sin. Well, first of all, you're still here, right? Are you concerned about your soul? If you're still concerned about your soul, you have not committed the unpardonable sin. If you're still concerned, you see... A person commits the unpardonable sin when God, who is omniscient, what does that word mean? He knows everything. When God knows, he turns to the Holy Spirit and says, now, for the one millionth time or the one millionth opportunity that you have turned the light on to this man, this woman, and they have said, no, no, no. He turns to the Holy Spirit and he says, you know, they will never They will never believe. Leave him alone. And God does that. And they don't even think about it anymore until they lift up their eyes one day being in torment. So the thing is this. You have not committed the unpardonable sin if you are still concerned about your soul. And here's the thing. If you're concerned about your soul and you don't have peace with God, I... I beg you in Jesus' name to trust him today before you leave and he will give you the peace. Philippians says he will give you the peace that passeth all understanding. Don't walk out. Listen, don't turn that camera off without you having peace with God. Are you concerned about your soul? What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The Holy Spirit if he's shining light on your path, yes, I know it, yes, I know it. No, no, not today. One of these days, if you keep saying no, you're gonna send away your day of grace. When you say no, no, no. You see, it's not the sin of morality, immorality. It's not a mental sin. It's when you say, this is not of God. This is of the devil. This is of Beelzebub. No, I'm not doing this. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I have shined the light on your path for the last time. There it is. And when a person says no, the final time to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will never, ever bring conviction to your heart again. That's a terrible place. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our musicians are here, God, speaking to you. Don't go home and have nightmares about committing the unpardonable sin if you're worried about your soul. But if you have said no, 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 then you need to be aware of the fact that God could signal the Holy Spirit and say, leave him alone. He's not going to change. He's not going to do it. He's not going to believe. He's not going to receive. Don't shine light on his darkness again. That is a terrible situation. You might be sitting here this morning and you're watching by internet and you're saying, Pastor, this message was 10 levels over my head. I I get all of that. It's it's really 10 levels over my head to preach. I'm just telling you the truth. But listen, has the Holy Spirit shined light on the word? Jesus said, when you say no, 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 no. A blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is a repetitious no, 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 no. A refusal, a denial. Ascribing his work to the devil. That was predominantly done in the day of Jesus the way that it's predominantly done now is with a constant refusal. No, 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 no. Don't say no another time. If God's speaking to your heart, don't leave here today without saying yes, yes, yes. Have your way in my heart, Lord. Have your way in my mind, my body, my soul. And let me give my heart to you, Lord. If you've not given your heart to Christ, And you're worried about your soul. Then I want you to pray this prayer in your heart today. Mean it with every fiber of your soul. And trust the Lord Jesus today as the Holy Spirit shines light on your path. Shines light on your darkness. Say yes to Jesus. This is how you say yes. Will you pray with me right now? Dear Jesus. I realize that I am a sinner. And by faith, I'm trusting you right now to be my personal Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Cover me with your precious blood. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I'm trusting you to take me to heaven when I die. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com.